Hello, this is Evangelist Valerie Laurie with Sharing the Word of God. Today we're going to be coming from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. And it says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. Amen. And from these passages of scriptures, we're going to be talking about keep the unity. Keep the unity. Paul is locked up in prison in Rome, and he's writing uh, to the Ephesians and those who are faithful in God. And he speaks a lot about how God would bring together both Jew and Gentile and bring them unto one family, into one man. And so here in this verse of scripture, Paul considers himself a prisoner of the Lord. So for he counted himself worthy to be uh, locked up for preaching the gospel. But the one thing that with the Jews and the Gentiles being brought together, the one thing that he wanted them to do was to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith they are called. And they were, they were called to being Christians. So with the teaching of the gospel, with the uh, infilling of the Holy Spirit, he is wanting them to be walking with the attributes of Jesus Christ, walking worthy of that name of being called a Christian. The Bible never changes, and so since the Word of God never changes, the call to Christianity and to stand worthy of that calling, it still extends to us today. So throughout our country, throughout our world, there are many Christians throughout the world. And the thing about that is, is there is a call still for us to walk worthy of that vocation for which we have been called. And the question about that is, is this, when there is a call to walking in our Christianity and walking in the character of God, the question is, is do we measure up? The thing about that you find about Christians throughout the Bible, the apostles and the um, the apostles and the prophets of God, they were not afraid to take a stand for that thing which is right, and they did not compromise, nor not walk in integrity when it came to making decisions in their life. Paul is saying here that he's here he is, he's in prison, and he's locked up for preaching the gospel. How many of us in this day of time would allow ourselves to be locked up for preaching the gospel? How many of us would sacrifice our life for standing for that thing which is right? Or how many of us in this day and time would compromise our friendships, we would compromise our relationships, we would compromise our way of thought, our decisions based upon what was popular for us or what would work out right for us instead of looking at our decisions in line with the Word of God. So many people 
have swayed from the word of God, claiming themselves to be Christians, but falling from that word of God, making decisions based upon popularity, making decisions out of fear, and not making decisions that are right according to what what would line up with the scriptures of the word of God. Paul is saying that we need to walk worthy of that vocation wherewith you are called. Years ago, there used to be a bumper sticker out that said, what would Jesus do? And if we were in lines with the scriptures, if we were in line with the bumper sticker, what would Jesus do? And then the pins that people would wear and the necklaces, what would Jesus do? If we stopped and asked ourselves, what would Jesus do if he were in this very situation I am in? Would we make the right decisions? What would Jesus do if he saw some of the things that we do and the decisions that we make? Would the same decisions that we make and how we treat others, would Jesus act that same way? What would Jesus do? So it's the same thing that Paul is saying here, is that we need to walk worthy of that vocation wherewith we we are called with all lowliness and meekness, meaning that we got to depend upon God for the decisions that we make in life, that we need his the the help of the holy spirit to help us to make the decisions we need the help of the holy spirit and we need to depend upon his power when we are afraid in making decisions about life we need to depend upon him to help us make the choices that we need to make what would jesus do paul says to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called It says, walk with lowliness and meekness. We need him. We need his strength. We need his power, especially when it comes to make us making uh, decisions that we are afraid when we make the decisions. We're afraid of the consequences. We're afraid of things that people might do to us if we decide against what's not popular. And so we need his help in all things we need his help to make decisions we need to ask about the holy spirit in making decisions because there are some hidden things that the holy ghost knows that we don't even know that god can reveal things to you that you don't even know that are happening behind the scenes and god and the spirit of god can speak to you and tell you not to make a decision Uh, based upon the facts that you see you may not understand why God is telling you to not do something but the Holy Ghost knows all things and the Holy Ghost will come and speak to you some things that God is saying to you for you not to do have you haven't you heard the stories of people who said that God told them it's uh, like in uh, the 9-11 God told them not to go to work that day and some people stayed home and their lives were spared. Or you may hear about where God will tell you not to make a business deal because he knows something that you don't know. So we have to rely on the Holy Spirit, which is Christ in us, that hope of glory, to help us to be able to live this life out successfully and to be able to live our lives with each other in harmony and in peace. So we got to get so connected to God that we trust what we are hearing in the Spirit, that God, we need you. And God, I don't know it all. And God, I need you to help me with with 
the decisions that I have to make in my life and the decisions that I have to make with my family. He says that in that second verse in Ephesians 4, he says, with all lowliness and meekness. So we can't think of ourselves as so high that we don't need God. We can't think of ourselves as being better than other people. And, and that people are beneath us, even if they don't have as much as we have, or they don't look like we look, or they don't, they're not quite as smart as us. We got to know that each man, he is created in the image of God, and that God died. Jesus died on the cross for every man, no matter what we may think of them. Uh, no matter how we may see them, the blood of Jesus died. The blood of Jesus was shed for them just like it was shed for any of, any of us. It says, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. The one thing about love is when we're long suffering, that means that we will, will, we forgive others. That means that we, sometimes we might be wanting just, I have had enough of you, but sometimes like even use the illustration of, of learning. Some people just catch on to things quickly and then other people don't. And so sometimes we can lose patience with each other or we just want to just give up on somebody. But, you know, if God were to give up on all of us as quickly as we give up on others, not all of us would be lost. It is by grace and it is by mercy that we are saved and that God is watching out for us. So God expects us to to be long suffering. And we sometimes we just have to put up with each other, you know, and not try to just always have our way in things sometimes we got to humble ourselves down and submit to the other I'm not saying submit to wrong but the question is is in Christianity God God got so many of us that he created we got so many different personality types and if you were to imagine God with the grace and the mercy that he extends to us that with some of us with some of the things that we do if God were to be uh, not long suffering and patient with us some of us would be long time extinguished because God would get tired of our behavior he'd get tired of us so walking worthy of that vocation we got to put on those attributes of God we got to stand up and we got to speak that thing which is right but we got to do it in a right spirit and in a right attitude and with a humble heart we got to do it in love and then forbearing one another we got to forgive one another of when we do wrong to each other and not hold on to grudges and walk in that spirit of love and sometimes people think that love is that you get walked over or being humble means that you get walked over it doesn't mean that you get walked over but it does mean that you walk in that spirit of love it, it people uh it matters sometimes it's not Sometimes it's not always what you say. Sometimes it's in how you say what you say. Because when we walk worthy of that vocation, we need to bear each other's burdens. So sometimes somebody may be a little bit burdened down about a decision that they have to make. And they don't want to make that decision because they may be afraid. But when you talk to them, you got to still think about what I said before. What would Jesus do? Based upon the scriptures, what is the right decision to make 
in any circumstance. So sometimes we have to carry our brethren. Sometimes we have to encourage our brethren. And we don't want to encourage them to do wrong, but we want to encourage them in doing that thing which is right. That which is right. Walking worthy of that vo- vocation. He says that we need to to endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. The one thing that grieves the Holy Spirit is when we know that we are supposed to be doing something right, but we choose to do something wrong. Um, that grieves the Holy Ghost. That grieves the Spirit of God. We need to endeavor means we need to fight within ourselves within our train of thought to keep that unity with God meaning that when we know we're doing something that's not lining up with the spirit of God we need to self-correct we have to discipline our children to do that which is correct to keep that unity of of walking in the word of God of walking in the spirit of God And then we need to do it with a spirit of peace. When we follow the directions of God, when we follow what the way that God says for us to do things, then if we have to pull a correction on somebody and we do it in the spirit of love, then we can go to bed at night and we can rest in peace. When with our fellow men, with co-workers, with anybody that we have a connection with, when we do correction on them but we do it in the spirit of love and peace we can go home and we can think about we can we can go home and we can rest assured that we've done it in a spirit of peace the way that the lord would have us to do it you ever thought about some of the times when you've done things wrong and you you just really just let somebody have it you just let them have a piece of your mind but then later on you thought about it you didn't do it in unity you didn't do it in love it might have been right what you said but it's the spirit in which you did it and now you don't have peace you know that when you've done something right when you can go home and you can lay your head down and you can rest and you got peace you know you've done a thing right but when you walk around and you feel condemned and you feel guilty then something about how you end interacted with somebody whether you interacted in rage or whether you interacted with partially lying or you did something you didn't do what you should have done then that peace won't be with your spirit God's peace won't rest on junk God's peace don't rest in lies God's peace doesn't rest when you've dealt angrily with somebody or you've wounded somebody's spirit so here it is that God is just saying, Paul is saying, we need to work to keep that unity of the spirit. We need to walk in love and we need to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. When peace is there and you've you've had to do something, you've had to make a decision about your life, you've had to make a decision about the lives of several people, when the bond of peace is there, then you've made a right decision. The Bible says that there is one body and one spirit. As Christians, we all look different, but we are one body. And 
we we may be different ages, we may be different races, but we're one body and we're supposed to take care of each other as one body. We're not supposed to be divided up against each other because we're angry with this Christian or we're angry with that Christian. We are one body and we're supposed to walk in love towards each other and try to keep us as a peaceful unit, one body, one body in Christ. We're supposed to be one body endeavoring to keep that bond of peace, one body, one spirit, the Holy Ghost inside of us, that hope of glory, leading and teaching us and guiding us and directing our pathways. Even as you are called in one hope of your calling, you're called to the body of Christ. You're, God draws you to Jesus Christ. You're called to Christ Jesus. You're called to him. And we are called Christians. We have one Lord, which is God Almighty, Lord Jesus Christ. We have one faith. That's the faith in our God, the faith in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and one baptism. The baptism where we are washed in our sin, washed our sins away, and we come up and we're baptized in Jesus Christ. We've got one God, our Holy Father of all who is above all we we serve our god and we serve our creator through all and in you all so god is our father and it is him who pulls us all together he is our he is our he is our creator jesus christ is our savior he shed his blood for the remission of sins and he as paul was speaking that it used to be just the Jews, but then Jesus Christ engrafted us all into his body. So because we've all been engrafted into, into the family of God, then we ought to be able to act as a family. We ought to be able to love each other as family. We ought to be able to love the black man, the white man, the poor man, the rich man. We need to be walking in a unity of love. So the question is, is ask yourself, are you walking in love with your brethren? Are you are walking worthy of that vocation are you exemplifying the character of God with with each other are you keeping the the bond of peace the unity of the spirit are you making decisions based upon what the word of God says and if you were to look in the mirror and you could see straight through to your soul are you okay with God and that's the thing that we need to be doing when we're we're making decisions and we're walking with each other and we're holding up this blood-stained banner of Christ and we're calling ourselves Christians. Are we truly walking by that word of God? And we need to make that examination of ourselves. Am I walking by the word of God? Am I doing? Am I loving my brethren? Am I being meek? Am I being humble? Am I being lowly? Am I walking in with my brethren the way that I should walk? And is God pleased with the walk that I have? These are questions that we all need to ask ourselves. Are we walking in that unity of the spirit? And if not, God, please help me to do better. 
So this is just a short message for today. And it's really a call to check in our own character, check in our own walk. Paul considered himself to be a prisoner of God, locked up in Rome for preaching the gospel. But his his call was that to the Gentiles and to bring them all together with the Jews, that all of us would know the height and the depth. All of us would know what it means to love God. All of us would know what it means for God to love us, that we are a unity, that we are to be in unity, that we are to be a family, that God is our father, that he is our creator. And that he has an expectation that we all would love each other and that we would walk worthy of that vocation by which we are called. So the question is, is are we walking worthy? Is God pleased with our walk? Is God pleased with how we live behind the scenes? Is God pleased with how we live on our job? Are we walking in a true peace and and love with our fellow man? Are we treating others the right way and the way that we should be treated, treating each other? Are we considering the hearts and the thoughts of our fellow men? Are we walking worthy of that vocation? Are we walking worthy? The question tied back to like the bumper stickers of long ago, to like the the jewelry that we wore. What would Jesus do? And are we walking out what Jesus would do in this day and time? Ask yourself, am I truly, truly living by the way that God would intend for me to live with my fellow man? And am I truly walking out the vocation of which I'm called when it says that I am a Christian? Am I living up to what God would expect of me? The words that I spoke today, I hope that they are something that will make you think. And then if there are some areas in your life that are not quite right, that you would go and you would get them right and get them right between you and with God. And if there are some things that you need to get right with with other people, then you have to make those things right. You have to do that which is called worthy of walking out the vocation of being a Christian. This has been our word for the day. It might not be a shouter, but it's one that will make you think. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we ask you right now, God, for the things that we are doing that are not pleasing in your sight. God, we ask that you would forgive us. Father, we ask, Lord, that you will help us to have the courage to make the right decisions, O God, that you will give us the courage, Lord, to go and tell our brothers that we are sorry if we have hurt them in some way. Father God, we ask you, Lord, for our occupations that you would give us courage, O Lord, to make right decisions based upon your word, O God, and not to compromise, O God, our walk and our stands with you. O God, help us to walk in love and to keep the peace, O God, the unity of the spirit, and to walk worthy of the vocation of which we are called as being Christians unto you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. 
This has been Evangelist Valerie Laurie with Sharing the Word of God. May you be blessed and enjoy your day. Bye-bye. Hello, this is Evangelist Valerie Laurie with Sharing the Word of God. So happy to uh, be with you again today, and we want to go ahead and get right into the Word of God. Today we're going to be coming from John chapter 4, and we are going to start at that 46th verse, and it reads like this. So Jesus came again into Cana of Galilee, where he made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said unto him, Except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The nobleman said unto him, Sir, come down ere my child die. Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Thy son liveth. Then inquired he of them the hour when he began to amend. And they said unto him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus had said unto him, Thy son liveth, and believe, and himself believed, and his whole house. I have read to you from John chapter 4, verses 46 through 53. And our title today is, Lord, Heal My Son. Today we we see a lot of people that have died in the United States due to the coronavirus. And so many are grieving in our nation and some have lost hope. And so today we come because we want to go over these scriptures because this set of scripture gives hope for any who are sick out there and for the families who are crying out for those who are ill. The story starts off as we would see any parent of a child who is sick. That parent wants that child to be made whole, to be made healthy. 
and I look at a lot of the commercials that are on TV that are related to the St. Jude's Hospital that the children are treated at St. Jude's Hospital and it is at no cost to the to the parents. The parents are trusting that through the aid of the doctors, the help of God, that their children would be healed. And that's the thoughts of any good parent is that you want your child to be healed so we see that here in the book of John that the nobleman has heard about the Lord and so Jesus has come back to the place of Cana of Galilee where he turned water into wine he took what was considered to be nothing he had no grapes but he had water and he took what he had and changed nothing into something and he changed water into wine at a wedding So it recounts back that Jesus has come now back into Cana of Galilee where he made the water into wine. And then it ties it up and it says, And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. So I see a correlation I don't know why it had to specifically bring up that he was back in the place where he turned water into wine. But I see that there has to be a reasoning behind that because he's tying up this event with this nobleman with the city where he changed nothing, meaning no grapes from water that was there and he turned it to wine so we're going to see an illustration of where Jesus is calling on this man to believe although he cannot see a promise being done because the son is not going to be present with the father but he's asking him to reach out in faith and believe that What God says he will do, he will do. So it says that there was a certain nobleman. And any time that there is a, it says a certain person, I want you to understand that you and I can be that certain person. And it says whose son was sick at Capernaum. So he's so sick that he is in his bed and he is near death. The Bible declares that when the nobleman heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him. Anytime that we see that there is a 
need and that there is an answer somewhere, we're going to go to where the answer is. And so this man, I imagine that if his son was sick and he lay near the point of death, it doesn't say that he had gone to doctors before with his son, but it kind of seems to reason that he he may have already done that and gone to other doctors and to seek out medical treatment for his son and his son still couldn't get his healing. So the nobleman decided to go and to talk to Jesus and to beseech him that he would come down and heal his son who was at a point of death. Can you imagine looking at your child whom you love and many times you hear parents say that the child is supposed to outlive the parent. But here it was that the nobleman was looking at his child laying sick in the bed and he wanting someone to come and help his child. Imagine how Many people across the country, across the nation, across the world feel as they look at their loved ones, if they can see them dying of the coronavirus in the hospital, wanting to change some things. They want to stop some things. And even if you just look at any illness and how your loved ones have to suffer through whatever they are going through. You want to change it. So the nobleman's heart, we can empathize with because so many of us have been there. So many of us have done that. So we have empathy for the nobleman. We have empathy for the mother if she's still around and it doesn't even talk about her. But we, because we've been there, we can feel the pain, the heartache, possibly the fear of knowing that you can lose your child. So this daddy made the effort to go out and to see Jesus and to go and meet him and to see if he would come and heal his son who was laying at a point of death. So he goes to where Jesus is and and then said Jesus unto him because he had to ask him a question. He says, except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. So Jesus is talking not just to him, but he's talking to the crowd that is there. Except you see signs and wonders, You will not believe. Jesus is wanting him. Jesus is wanting the people who are there. Who come to seek signs and wonders from him. Just as like Jesus had mentioned before. When he had fed the multitudes. People continued to come to him. Because of the signs and the wonders. But. He wanted them to grasp hold of who he 
really was, that he was the son of God, that he had dominion, that he had power, that he was the one who could speak a thing and it would happen. So he says, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Throughout the Bible, it talks about how the signs and the wonders of God were shown as he was bringing the children of Israel up out of Egypt. And so, what do you do when you've seen the signs and the wonders and it's been talked about before over and over again? It ought to get to a place where because the signs and the wonders have happened before that you get to the place where you believe God and what God says. But what happens when you get to a place in time where you run into something that you've never seen before? How is it? What do you do? How do you believe God then at that point? So it was with here. We've gotten to a place with God in this time when he's the nobleman is there and he's asking for Jesus to come here to heal his son. And Jesus is wanting to get the people to get to another reality where we're supposed to be growing in our faith. We're supposed to be going from glory to glory. We start out with milk, but we're supposed to end up eating strong meat in the word of God. So it is that with faith, we go from glory to glory. So what is it that you do when you reach out to God and you got no point of reference? What is it that we do with coronavirus that we've never seen it on this wise before where corona is killing people left and right? We've got nothing to compare it to as corona because this is a different kind of plague that is on the earth. And so it is that Jesus says unto him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. But the question is, when will we get to the point where we trust God because he is God? When will we get to the point where we abide? He who abides in the secret place shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. When will we get to the place where we know that he's covering us with his wings and that he is going to take care of us? When will we get to the place when we can reach out just as Jesus did, only having water and no grapes. And he took what looked like nothing and changed nothing into something. And he caused that water to turn into wine. How is it that we don't have faith enough to believe that we've seen God through so many things before where God has come and he's touched our lives, where he's brought us up out of the muck and the mire clay, where he's brought us from time 
time again that he's healed us and he's brought us through that he's protected us in dangers that he's watched over us that we got to get to the place that we believe God even though we can't see it right now we we believe and we step into what is invisible and we catch hold of healings by faith we catch hold of that God can do a thing even though we may not see it right now but we believe every promise in the word of God that it is yes and that it is amen that our heavenly father is watching out for us and that our heavenly father wants to take care of us just like a father takes care of his children our heavenly father wants to take care of us so God is wanting us to get to the place where we believe him even though we cannot see a thing we believe it and hold that our God is working things out for our good and that Jesus wanted this man to see that he didn't have to go with him that whatever his his word says when he sends a word out his word will do what is sent out to do so if he says that your son will be healed then you just got to believe that your son will be healed you got to walk it out by faith even though you don't see it God wants us to get to that place that when we don't see something we know that God is working it out for our good we know that in in whether it's instantaneous or whether it's over a gradual process that if God says it's got to happen God says it's gotta happen it will happen so he speaks to the nobleman And he says, except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The nobleman saith unto him, Sir, come down ere my child die. But it's got to get to a place where when God says it, we believe it. We had a saying that when God says something, I believe it. And that settles it. When God says something, whether you believe it or not, it's bound to happen. It's got to happen. You got to mix your 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 belief with faith in God. You got to know that God is going to work it out. You got to catch hold to that word. You got to let that word sink down into your spirit. God says he's going to heal my son. God says he's going to heal. He's a healer of our bodies. God says he's our shield and he's our buckler. God says that when when he speaks, it's going to happen. You can count on what God says. You can count on it as a promise that he's going to fulfill. The man says that to Jesus, come here. Come down ere my child die. But Jesus said unto him, Go your way. Your son lives. So what do you do when you've heard that your loved one is going to be healed? You hold on to it by faith. And you thank God for what he said. I believe that my son is going to be healed. I believe that God is going to pull my child up out of this illness I believe what God's word says and you hang on to that the enemy wants us not to believe in the first place 
But when God is speaking to us, he wants us to believe what he says is going to come to pass. And so it was that Jesus spoke to the nobleman. Is Jesus speaking to you? Is Jesus speaking to me? Believe that it's going to happen. Believe that it's worked out. Believe that it's real. Believe that what I say is going to come to pass. And can you hang on to that by faith? And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him. And he went his way. Think about it. He's walking back to wherever his son was. And he held on and he believed God. How many people believe God today? Can you can you hold on to what God's word says? And can you, at this point in time, maybe you are the only contact person for somebody who is laying sick. Can you believe God that God is a healer? Maybe you're the only person who can reach out to God for somebody who is sick. And when you get back the answer that I am, I am healing this, this person. I am healing your, your mother. I'm healing your son. I'm healing your daughter. I'm healing your brother. I'm healing somebody that you know. Can you rejoice in God that it's already done? Even though you may not see it right now, it's already done. The nobleman had to hang on to what God said, but he could not see it. Because he wasn't there with his child. But he had hope in his heart. He had faith in God. That what God said in his word. That his word it will do what it's sent out to do. He, I imagine he thought about all the people who had received their healings from Jesus. And though Jesus was there to lay hands on many of them. He had sent out his word that his son would be healed. And so the nobleman had to catch it by faith. Uh, Can you reach up and can you catch what God is doing in your life? Can I catch what God is doing in my life when he speaks a thing? And it's got to happen. Because the Almighty has said that it would happen. Can we catch a hold to it by faith? Can, as this nobleman was walking back, going back to where he came from, coming from a child who was laying near at the point of death and he's got a word from God that he's going to heal his son that his son is already healed can you hear God saying for your loved one can you hear God saying if you will just reach out yourself and you will be the point of contact for somebody who cannot call out for themselves For somebody who is laying in a hospital bed somewhere. Can you be the point of contact for that person. And hear that God says that I will heal your child. I will heal your loved one. Just don't give up. Uh, Don't turn a deaf ear to what the spirit of the Lord is saying. Even though you cannot see it right now. And it may look a certain sort of way. Can you hear the spirit of the Lord saying he is healed. She is healed. Your child is healed. Can you reach out through faith. Reach up through faith. 
and pull that thing down, knowing that God is going to give it to you, that you just continue to believe God, that you've prayed and your prayers are answered, that you've prayed and the breakthrough has come, that you thank God for this person's healing, that you thank God for the victory and the healing of the person. He said to him, he said, Lord, come here, lest my child die. But then Jesus tells him that your child is healed. He says, go thy way, thy son liveth. He's not dead. He's not going to die. He's alive. And then the nobleman, he caught hold to what Jesus said, and he went his way. The Bible says, and as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Thy son liveth. Amen. So he got a testimony that what God said that he would do, he would do. There are testimonies throughout that what God says he will do, he will do. I want to build people up who have people who are sick that there are testimonies that are coming in that God brought them through. God has brought people through Corona. God has healed people of cancer. God has healed people from heart attacks. That what God says that he will do, he will do. It says that the nobleman inquired of the hour in when his son began to amend. And they said unto him, Yesterday, at the seventh hour, the fever left him. Psalms 20 and 7 says, Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord. It says, Psalms 37, Commit thy way unto the Lord, and he shall bring it to pass, whatever thing that you're asking of him. We got to trust in the Lord that he is our refuge. He is our fortress. And in him we trust. He's our shield. He's our buckler. And so we got to trust in him. The nobleman, he wanted to know about that time that his son was healed. And he says, so the father, he inquired and they said that, it was about the seventh hour that the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said unto him, Thy son liveth. And himself believed and his whole house. And so we got to stop and we got to think. The man, the nobleman was having dialogue with the Lord. And while he was having dialogue with the Lord, his son was being healed on the other end. Many times we have dialogue with the Lord in prayer. And we ask God to meet the petitions that we have, hallelujah, in our heart. And we're praying and we're beseeching God for healings. We're praying and beseeching God for breakthroughs. We're communicating with God. And so it is that when we communicate with the Lord, 
While we're in that very moment, that prayer is being answered right then and right there. And so it was that the nobleman was having dialogue with God, but on the other end, on where his son was, healing was already taking place. So we prayed unto our Father, we pray unto our God, and prayers are being answered. Even though we may not see the manifestation of it right then, we got to hold on to it and then just walk towards it and know that God has already answered prayer. Hallelujah. God has already worked it out. Hallelujah. We believe God that he's already done. He's already done answered the prayer. He's already fixed it. It's already worked out. We just got to believe it in faith. Yes, God has heard that thing that we have asked for. God is touching the body of he of loved ones. God is healing. God is sending his power through the blood. God is sending his power through every part of the DNA of that person. That God is working it out. That the healing hand of God is on our loved ones right now. Because we've asked and God has heard our prayers. Uh, God is working it out for good right now. God is going in right now and God is healing sick bodies and God is casting out those diseases, oh God, that are plaguing our people right now. Oh God, we lift up our holy hands and we believe you, God, that what you said you will do, you will do just as you heal the nobleman's son from sickness oh God oh God you healed him oh God in that hour oh God and in the same hour of prayer that we pray for our loved ones God we believe God that you're doing what you said you will do and that prayer works and that it's already done that healing is already taking place uh, that deaf eyes are being opened oh God and blind eyes are being opened deaf ears are being opened God bodies with pain of being healed God because we believe your word God God you are answering the prayers of your people right now God and we believe it just as the nobleman believed it in the same hour that he talked to the Lord God's manifestation powers of healing were going and interacting with the body of his son and he was bringing about wholeness and he was bringing about divine health and all the nobleman had to do was just believe that word that God said that when God said his son was healed that's all it was it was settled in heaven that his son was healed and so he walked back to the house and he was met by his servants he was met by them and they let him know your son liveth that was the testimony that was the testimony of them thy son liveth it was at that same hour that he began to amend as Jesus spoke it out thy son liveth so it was so it was that the word of God met up with the body of the sick son and it infused him with the healing power of God his son was healed and so it was that everybody who heard that that the son liveth that was in that household and the father who had heard Jesus speak it they believed on God and his whole house that what God says in his word he is able to do so you catch hold of that by faith today what God says in his word 
he is able to do. What God says in his word, he will do. Amen, amen, amen. So you've already prayed and you've believed God. Now stand on the promise of God. Well, we thank you today for listening to this word. And I hope that that gives you some encouragement and some faith that when you are dealing with illness and sickness and disease, bring it to God and you believe and you trust in the Lord and reach out in faith for somebody who can't reach out for themselves. And you pray and you believe and stand on the promises of God. This has been Evangelist Valerie Laurie coming to you again with sharing the word of God. Until we meet again, you be blessed and just walk it out by faith. It's going to be all right. We just going to have to trust in our God. Until we meet again, be blessed and bye bye.